This is the Nomad Futurist Podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Nomad Futurist. This is your co-host, Nabil Mahmood, currently out of San Francisco, California. This is your co-host, Philip Koblenz from Montclair, New Jersey. And I'm Rob Shanahan from Venice Beach, California. (laughs) Rob, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. Great to have you on our platform. You and I met at a conference and that's where we struck the conversation. You've got a phenomenal story and I wanted to bring this forward to our audience. So could you tell our audience just at a very high level of who Rob Shanahan is? I'm pretty sure they're going to be Googling and with that hair and and the glasses, that stands out by itself. Well, I hope they Google because my website will tell them all they need to know about me. I'm a rock and roll photographer, also a drummer. I've been doing both since I was a teenager. Actually, I started drumming when I was 10, photography when I was about 13, and just fell in love with both and needed to find a way to make that my living. And I I did that. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, there is a lot we're going to dig into. Rob Shanahan, the Beatles, so on and so forth. There is a lot to talk about. Rob and I had the opportunity of meeting up at one of the technology conferences where Rob was one of the keynote speakers. Rob, how did you get involved in the technology market segment? Yeah, that's just one of those amazing things that happens when the old story is you never know what's going to happen. Just be prepared. Preparation meets opportunity. We talk about all those things. Well, I'm living proof that that actually can happen. It just so happens I met who uh, turned out to be one of my dearest friends at a dinner party here in LA. One of the top country artists, Phil Vassar, was in town and I've had shot his record covers and done a lot of work with him and we became good friends. Anyway, at a dinner party in Los Angeles, he was playing in town and his neighbor from Nashville was with him and that was John Delosier. <laughs> who was at the time VP with CenturyLink, and he was floored about my history. He's like, okay, Phil tells me he worked with Van Halen and Molly Crew and the Stones. And he just started asking me a million questions about my work history. And he's like, all right, you have to tell your story to my group. I'm going to hire you for a keynote. And people say a lot of things that may or may not be true, but John Delosier pulled through and next thing I'm speaking to a room full of his people, a thousand people in San Diego doing my very first corporate keynote. I did not know how it was going to go. I had prepared a slideshow and kind of knew how it was going to unfold. I know the story. I didn't know how it would resonate. And apparently it went really well. It was actually a a life-changing moment. I realized telling the story on stage and sharing the photos And bringing people along on the ride was extremely rewarding for me and for the company. And that was it. That was the start of my keynote experience. We started getting the word out and I've done a handful since, and I look forward to doing a handful more. Well, that's very humble of you to say a handful. Rob Shanahan, ladies and gentlemen, is everywhere. Plus, we we are long hair brothers as well. I've got yeah. and roller look going I on. Feel, I do. I do feel like the odd man out. Nothing <laughs> is different between the three of us. I can't tell which one doesn't belong. <laughs> so, Rob, could you yeah. share that journey that you shared on your first keynote? Yeah. Well, um, it's just telling my story, and which is really 
a young kid from Minnesota, uh, following his dreams and his passion. I packed up a van that I bought from a high school teacher, my brother and I, my brother's four years younger than I. So he just got out of high school, 1988. I was just getting out of Minnesota State University where I was studying finance and accounting, which I know is blowing everyone's minds right now. Rob Shanahan, accountant. Yeah, well, that would, would have happened if I stayed in Minnesota. <laughs> I saw the writing on the walls. So my brother and I jumped in the van with drum kit and my camera gear, and we pointed the van west and didn't stop. Got to Los Angeles. I did not know a soul. We had less than $300 in our pocket. And I just found a way to make it happen. You started hustling. Let's talk about, talk about hustling. It's like the West has always been, we had the gold rush, we've got the data rush. And talk about hustling. Was that inbred? Did, was that just being hungry? Was that you were running out of money? What, what, what? <laughs> well, it was all those things. There was, hunger is one of those, but thank God there's orange trees everywhere. So we ate a lot of oranges and it was just really what it was for me. The driving force was, okay, look, you have one opportunity. This is your chance to really make a difference, to really create a life that you want to live. And I was confident in my drumming and my photography. I knew I could compete. And the underlying thing probably was the fear of going back home and listening to all my friends, the people that I grew up with say, well, we knew you could give it a shot, but welcome home, or at least you tried. That was one of the, the motivating factors. Look, I'm not going home until something big happens. Fast forward 20 years later, check this out. I'll just jump forward a little bit. 20 years later, when I was on tour with Ringo Starr, the Beatle, he played in a casino about 20 miles from my hometown. And there's about 40 folks from my hometown, including all of my family, my best friends, and my high school music teacher, the guy who taught me how to play drums, all in the audience, seeing me. I ended up playing a couple songs with the band. Ringo is up front singing, and I'm drumming with Ringo Starr and Edgar Winter and Billy Squire. And it was an amazing all-star band. And I think I blew some Minnesota minds that night. Oh, that's amazing. How did you get on board with Ringo Starr? I met Ringo through Sheila E., my lovely, lovely, dear friend, Prince's drummer back in the 80s and 90s. In fact, my hometown is 18 miles from Paisley Park. So mid-80s, Sheila E. and Prince were huge in Minnesota. And I knew all about her that I had a poster of her in my college dorm room, just an amazing drummer, really awesome girl. And I ended up meeting her in Los Angeles eventually through my client Peisty Symbols, which is one of the world's largest symbol uh, manufacturing companies based in Switzerland. And I met them through a mutual friend who needed a headshot. This is back when. I was doing a million headshots for every actor and musician, real estate agent in Los Angeles. That's where I really got my, my, my feet planted in LA. This uh, one drummer that I befriended, Scott Crago, needed a headshot. He ended up becoming Stevie Nicks' drummer. And then 
Don Henley and the Eagles drum. He's been touring with the Eagles for 28 years now. He's the guy that plays drums when Don Henley goes up front with the acoustic guitar to sing. Anyway, that drummer that's playing the drums with the Eagles was one of my first friends in Venice Beach. I used to go see him every Sunday night play in a local dive bar on the beach, playing cover tunes and great guy, great drummer. We became fast friends. Anyway, he introduced me to Pisces Cymbals who then asked, hey, we have a we have a huge roster of drummers. You want to start shooting our drummers? And that, to me, was the golden ticket. Photography, drums, combining my two loves. So they started hiring me to shoot all their big A-list drummers, like Alex Van Halen, Stuart Copeland with The Police, Sheila E. The list goes on and on. And Sheila and I became fast friends, the Minnesota Connection and... I still do all her stuff. I've shot probably three or four records with her, magazine covers, spreads for all the magazines, ads with the drum manufacturers. And she introduced me to Ringo. She got the gig with Ringo back in 2003, I believe it was. And got me out on the road with Ringo. A couple of days later, his publicist called, said, Ringo wants to know if you want to jump on tour and start doing photos. Of course, you don't check your schedule. You say yes, of course, to those. And two days later, I'm shooting Ringo for the first time. It went from there. It's a, it's, 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 it's an incredible story. You try to, you try to follow all of these leads and it sounds like you keep on coming back to this thread of just being open to these new experiences, right? You, you took, you, you leave Minnesota, for, for California, because you have this passion, you need to, you just need to follow and you just kind of let life take you in whatever direction yeah. it's, it's going to take you without really being scripted, without really having a crazy plan, or I'm going to work at this company, or I'm going to do this, or I need to do that. And just let your passion take you where, 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 wherever it can. And what a great idea. The, the notion of coming to California with a camera in hand, a place where obviously everybody wants to be photographed. Um, at a time where you, yeah, you know, listen, remember this is 1988 back in the film day when you actually had to be an artist, to be a photographer, you had to know exposure, f-stops, ISO, the technical aspects of being a photographer. And I spent a lot of time working on that skill, processing my own, my own film. I learned myself how to develop black and white film. And then at Minnesota State. I rented a darkroom space from a local photo store and I would spend days in there. I would go in eight in the morning, I would come out, it'd be dark outside, just working on mastering one print, one image. And or just my love of photography was born in Minnesota, as was my love of drumming. And I decided to try a different city, a different state. Where magic can happen. It's the land of dreams and opportunity. Los Angeles. You should you should start doing keynotes for like the California Chamber of Commerce. It, I would be totally open. <laughs> Look, the how much of of your success do you think comes from that being in the right place at the right time? The fact that it was eighty eight. The fact that it was things were accessible and people are just. It seems to me like now everyone is so on edge. Everyone is so reserved. You can't really kind of as easily get into these, these, these little cliques and, and communities because everyone is, is almost skeptical of, of a newcomer coming in. How much of it do you think was that? And how much of it was maybe not that? And just your kind of attitude as take me, take me, take me how I am. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I'm a pretty open book. I am who I am and be yourself. Everyone else is taken all the, all the uh, sayings. I think when you have a good friend, an actress who I'm not going to name, she always tells me I walk into a room with my heart first. I've always done that heart first. I'm very open. I love people. I love photographing people. I love connecting with people. And for in the eighties, late 80, 88, when I arrived, you had to get out and meet people on the street, in the clubs, in the music stores. And that's where I made all my connections and where I started really finding out who I was and finding out my place in, in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, it's, it's a very cutthroat place. And you might have heard a lot of no's. Or Rob, why do you want to befriend me? It's probably you just want to befriend me because you want to use or leverage this relationship to get the next level. How did you get past that to, to find real relationships? Well, I feel like what I have to offer to people is, is my valuable commodity, whether it be now keynoting or doing gallery shows or my book is I've been doing well. I really love that. We can talk about that. But on a personal level, bringing value to any human being is a great quality to have, whether it be a good friend like you, you and I, how we met and we instantly connected and here we are. I love that. I love pursuing friendships and, and seeing where, where things can go and where the magic happens and working with the big, great artists of our time and I go in with an open heart and first and foremost, I'm a fan and I know exactly what to say that's going to drop that curtain or that invisible shield between me and artists. I know exactly what to say to, to drop that and, and get with the, the human in front of me. And it's beautiful when you get there and you're able to capture that interaction with a camera. It's just magic. I love it. I love it. I've been working on that my whole life. I hone that skill and it's a skill that I use every day. Do you think the, the you so let's fast forward to the keynote thing for, for, for a second. I think artists in general are looked at as, as fairly reserved people that don't necessarily like to be vulnerable outside of their art Yeah, and, and keynoting, you're telling your story is it, you, you are being vulnerable with an audience. You're telling them all, all, the, all the ups and I'm sure some downs uh, along the way. Is that something that came natural to you, that, that notion of, of communicating in that way with an audience, public speaking, things like that? Well, the first one I did for CenturyLink, mind you, I'd never done one before. I had speech class in high school and I've done plays and I'm a musician. I've been on stage my whole life and I, I do gallery shows. And when my book came out in 2011, I've done the talk shows, radios, I've done that. But to walk out on stage with a thousand people staring at you is, <laughs> it can go one way or the other in a hurry. And I wasn't sure how it was going to go, as I mentioned earlier. So I just laid it all out there. And uh, one good thing to do to really drop that curtain or that invisible shield between you and the audience is bring you to them. 
Instead of being up there like, oh yeah, I'm so cool. I shoot all the great rock stars and aren't I wonderful? No, I'm a fan, just like you. It's amazing. I can't believe I was able to be on stage with Aerosmith and you wouldn't believe what happened backstage. Check this out. And you show the photos and you get people laughing, you get people excited. And I don't know, something happened. Something clicked with me. It was like a light switch. Like I realized that I, I really enjoy doing that. And plus, I am an artist. I, I have that side of me. And I also have the business side of me. I am running a business. I have... Thank goodness for that accounting degree. I use it every year, accounting time. My accountant, who I've had for 28 years now, I guess, I have the same one every year when I see him for taxes. We have a good laugh about that. And I'm very prepared. And we know what, what to, all the ways to... To write off all my great trips. <laughs> By the way, I have to tell you, I have a 56 Chevy Nomad. So that's another tie in with us. Oh my I, God. You're that's... familiar with American classic cars. The 1956 Bel Air is one of my favorite all time cars, and I own one of those. Um, so it we, sounds like that actually, should be, I think if we ever make our, our way to Venice Beach, you got to get it right. Harder for me. We got to get it right around in the Nomad. Totally. We found a way to actually write that off. It's it's in my book. There's photos <laughs> of my Nomad with Ringo in my book and with other artists. And I did a shoot with Charlie Watts with my Nomad. I have a whole collection of artists with the cars. So nice well, I, guess, I guess the Nomads are going to have to go down to Venice Beach, not just to ride the Nomad, but to have Rob shoot us. Like literally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that'll be wonderful. Rob, so I see you've been with Maroon 5, you've been yeah. with The Who's Who. Share a craziest story that you can. <laughs> the uh, craziest. I get asked that all the time. I don't spill the beans, but I will tell you some really great experiences. For me, probably the, the most exciting and, and, and coolest thing was getting to know Charlie Watts, the beloved Rolling Stones drummer that passed away just one year ago. Getting to know and... Uh, work with him was really special, really, really cool. My first shoot with him was with 1996. And it just kind of developed from there. And then to be invited by Charlie to attend Stone's rehearsals, like when they're in LA rehearsing, I'm sitting there on a couch behind Charlie's drum kit, watching the Rolling Stones in like the smallish rehearsal studio in LA or at Soundcheck on stage with the band or doing photos of the show. It's just really exciting, really cool. There's nothing like seeing the most amazing band, the Rolling Stones, seeing that machine behind the curtain. It's been really, really great. And of course, Ringo, spending all that time with him. And I've done three or four of his record covers and tour books. My wife and I, my wife's a graphic designer. So we do, we produce his tour books and bunch of other artists. And I guess getting back to your question. All right. Crazy, crazy. Steven Tyler, you want to know one story. So years ago, I was out on the road with Ringo and I got a call from Aerosmith management. They wanted me to come out, do some work. I had to say no. I was on tour with Ringo. A year later, I finally get the opportunity to go back on tour with Aerosmith. And I'm there on stage at Soundcheck with with the band, Steven Tyler walks in, comes right up to my face. Fuck you. Sorry for the language. I'm just paraphrasing Steven Tyler. Fuck you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes, no one says no to Aerosmith, but you were out with the Beatle. Okay. And he gave me this huge smile and 
just the greatest, funniest guy. We realized we're the same claw, two teenagers stuck in these grown man bodies and love music. And we love everything about music. And it was a really great experience. And Aerosmith was super cool. And Steven Tyler said, look, man, we want you to do your thing on stage, anywhere you want to go during the show. So I took full advantage of that. And being on stage with that band is amazing. Just incredible. You mentioned uh, you mentioned your book a couple of times, so I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, pry into that a little bit. Give us a, give us a little a background on, on the book. What's it about? Uh, what inspired you to write it? Yeah, 2011, my first coffee table photo book was published, a collection of my rock and roll photos called Volume One with Forward by Ringo Starr. Getting Ringo to write the forward to my book was incredible. And when I first announced the release of the book, I'm sure I blew a lot of Minnesota minds with the fact that I was able to move to LA in a van and eventually have a Beatle write the forward to my book. But still saying that right now, still <laughs> a lot of excitement. So we released the book. We had a, a really awesome party in Los Angeles. We we took over the House of Blues and I got Autism Speaks involved. I'm a big with doing charity events and I loved having a charity tie-in and we raised a ton of money for them. And Guest Jeans was one of the sponsors, as was Yamaha. And we put together an amazing all-star band. We had Sarah McLaughlin, Tony Braxton. I had Sinbad MC. Even Ed Asner showed up. We had a bunch of celebrities in town, walked the red carpet, and it was just such a fun event. And a bunch of my Minnesota friends came in, all my family, and it was so much fun. And the book has been doing amazing, amazing. It's still selling after it's been 11, 12 years. And I'm happy to say, I know everyone keeps asking me, volume two, when's volume two? Well, check this out. Oh my God, are we going to get out? We're breaking news. Breaking You're staying it here first. I'm giving you guys a news exclusive. We got the exclusive. Oh my God, breaking news. The star of volume two. Holy can <laughs> That's going to be a huge coffee table. <laughs> well. It all starts with the little thumbnails. You print them out <laughs> small and you lay them on a big board and then you start moving them. It's like a puzzle, finding the two photos that come together or the double spreads. And uh, it's part of the journey. I love it. Once we start, the old saying, once you start, you're almost done. And I've been shooting nonstop since the first book came out. So I have a ton of inventory and even photos from before volume one that did not make it into volume one. Some archival stuff that I love. We'll make it a volume two. So anyway, it's a fun journey. I love it. Going through and, and pulling out the photos and editing and deciding what goes where. It's, it's a cool, cool project. And thank, thank you for my copy. It's on my coffee table in my room. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So last time when we met, that was in Vegas. Yeah. At uh, another technology conference. And we kind of sort of kicked out around the conversation about NFTs and your involvement yeah. in NFTs. How yeah. is that going? Well, as we know, the NFT market kind of took a big downturn, so we cooled our heels on it. But there's something interesting that we haven't touched on. So when I landed in L.A., shooting music and actors, that was my love and my passion. But before that, I actually got a contract from the NFL and Major League Baseball shooting pro sports. And it's kind of a long story how that all happened, but... It started with my love of the Minnesota Vikings. I'm a huge football fan. And I don't know, I just went into the NFL offices and started showing my work. And I, I told them I wanted to start shooting football. And 
took about a year or two. I started getting callbacks from them and they started sending me out shooting NFL games. It was amazing, really fun. I, I was hooked from the beginning shooting NFL, but then the season ends and then summer comes and then it's baseball. So I connected with Major League Baseball and I started shooting for them and they had me do like one-on-one stuff for covers of programs or books, or I, they quickly found that my strength was, uh, instead of shooting game action, which I did plenty of, but they would send me on assignments to shoot one-on-one with, with, with the athletes, like go to their house and do a portrait for whatever their project they were working on. And I loved it. It was cool. But music was my passion. So anyway, with the NFT world, I realized that I had this archive of NFL, Major League Baseball, and some NBA and LA Kings that nobody's ever seen, really. It's been in my storage cabinets, my files forever and ever and ever. So we decided when the NFTs happened, let's release my pro sports catalog. So I have like five years of NFL, maybe four or five of Major League Baseball. And this is back in like the Michael Jordan, Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen, Joe Montana era. So a lot of really great icon athletes that we are working on releasing as nfts one sports originals is the name of the nft or the website's up you can go check it out and we're ready to launch that soon do a hard launch hoping the market picks back up in the nft world i'm sure it's going to make some 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 movement there earlier we talked about your intern and 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 your experience in bringing them on board could you share that with the with with the audience Oh, my interns. Yeah. So I love being the guy to help out the younger generation. That was me when I was a kid. Whenever I'd go see a band, I would wait until the end of the show to talk to the drummer or hang with the band. And whenever you get words of encouragement, it's that's a valuable that's a valuable asset when you're a teenager trying to find your way. And I was very appreciative and I decided there's only one thing in the world that's more valuable than your time is giving someone your attention, giving back, paying it forward, as they say. So a lot of people, a lot of kids reach out, hey, I'm thinking about being a music photographer. What do you think? Questions and comments and looking for advice and encouragement. And I answer every one of them. And this one kid in Pennsylvania whose parents bought him my book for Christmas, reached out, emailed, sent me an email. I'm like, this is the first perfect, perfectly executed email that I've received. Perfect punctuation. I'm like, all right, I need to know this kid. 15-year-old kid from small town, Pennsylvania, into music like I was. And I just kind of took him under my wing. Fast forward, he's now been my full-time assistant. We've been together for a long time. He's 26 now. And he knows my brand, he knows my world, my socials. So we do a lot of things together and every photo shoot I can get him on, he's in. And the funny thing is he's a huge Beatle fan and I was able to introduce him to Ringo Starr, which totally blew his freaking mind. And uh, just goes back to finding doors to knock on. And I was that kid. I would knock on a lot of doors and to find Mind my way, keep knocking and, and, and find the right path. So for those kids that are, that are falling asleep in their English classes and middle school and elementary school and high school, just recognize that the way you get the foot in the door was sounding like a Rob Shanahan punctuation. Punctuation is key. Very important. 
very, very important. <laughs> Commas, colons, semicolons, the whole lot of them. Oh, oh, yeah. I was a big reader in high school still. I love reading and I know how important it is. It doesn't sound that way when I talk sometimes because I'm still deep down a musician and I'm a beach guy in Venice Beach. So sometimes that slips out, but I appreciate a, a well-written letter or a well-written email. So very important. Oh, that's outstanding. Rob, where we hit it off was when I shared about our journey here with Nomad Futurist and what yeah. our goals are and encouraging the younger generation with education, tools and resources and trying to bridge this digital divide that we've created. Based on your experience and your trials and tribulation, it's absolutely a phenomenal journey that you have shared with us. What are some of the core lessons, if you were to summarize, what are some of the core lessons that you have learned that, that have enabled you to be the brand, that have enabled you to be Rob Shanahan? Okay, good. I love this. Okay, be yourself. You can only be yourself. Stay true to your heart. Find what your passion is. And these are all metaphors that we've all lived and learned our whole lives. But to really apply them on a daily basis, whether it be fitness, health, and we can talk about that. I'm a fitness junkie. I don't drink. I don't smoke. No drugs. I'm like the opposite of what you would think a rock star photographer would be. I am the healthiest I can be. I'm a vegan. I've been a member of Gold's Gym in Venice here for 29 years. And I just the original Gold's? The original Gold's? The original Gold's. I work out and there's Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> next to me. I'm telling you, all the I meet celebrities there, the, the big athletes work out there. It's a great meeting place. It's five minutes from my house. I've been there forever. I met my wife there. That's the that's a beautiful story in itself. We've just celebrated our 26th anniversary in May. And that's a magical story, meeting somebody at the gym. It's the best place to meet a partner. If you can pick up a partner at the Gold's Gym in Venice Beach and turn that into a 26-year relationship marriage. I think that says everything there that needs to be said for that Rob Shanahan. I don't uh, who has the confidence to be able to, to, to get even a date or a conversation? Well, I, I tell you, I've I told you that I'm a committed guy. When I'm into something, I'm all in. It's all in. So when we met and I've thought, this girl is really awesome. This could be the right girl. I jumped in head first and it's been amazing, amazing thing when you find the right person. And we have a 23-year-old daughter now and things have been great. It's been a, a beautiful journey. We love to travel. And I know we talked about my travels earlier. I'd love to mention that. We found out we're great travel partners and we just got back from our second trip to Africa, which is one of the all-time ultimate journeys of a lifetime and to be able to do it twice and just incredible. So let's talk about that real quick. So I was able during the COVID when we're all sitting around trying to figure out what to do, uh, I realized I needed to get an online gallery store going. My print style in the galleries, when I do shows, we do book signings, whatever. Excuse me. I thought, how great. Use this time to get an online gallery store launched. So we did. RobShanahan.art.art.art. So you can go and check out my work. And it was fun to put up my Africa photos. Of course, I got all my rock and roll photos, but I included my Africa and some travel photos. And it's really amazing. And I have to imagine the fact that you put your art photos on RobShanahan.art allowed you to write off your trip to Africa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> This ain't a hat rack, as my neighbor Cece says. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, good. It works. It's a good working traveling and, and selling the photos and adds to my brand. Bringing that conversation into keynotes is really inspiring. And if travel is your thing, uh, don't wait. Go book a book a trip. Get out there. Go see the world. There's a lot of fascinating, amazing places to see. And I never realized how much I was going to love photographing the great beasts of Africa. Something about it that just sparked something deep within. So I realized after volume two, my third book, we're going to do Africa. Outstanding. Amazing. Rob, so looking back at time, just in case if you're able to develop this time travel machine. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be great. Think different that you would do. Hmm. You can't look back and regret. It turns out that what I did was the right thing. It worked out for a reason. So I don't want to go back and change one thing because who knows what that butterfly effect could do. So it worked the way it worked for a reason. And I'm just going to go with that. I'm going to go with that. That that is the least surprising answer I've gotten all day. Just l- listening to Rob Shanahan, the notion that you would change anything is 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 nuts. So because look what it created. It created a yeah, it's hard. An incredible go, life. Incredible life. To go about one thing I learned. Here's another cool thing: working with all these great artists, like having a conversation with guys that have made like amazing, you know, success stories of their own, and, and to be able to like hang with them and learn from them is so invaluable to me. So that's why I cut out all the negative stuff out of my life. When I saw guys like Ringo and Mick Jagger, there's a good example. They they live for health and fitness. And that was 30 years ago when I, when I took that upon myself to make health and fitness one of the top priorities of my life. Because healthy body, healthy mind, healthy work, healthy relationships, all that. Just being able to grab a little bit of knowledge from each artist, take a little bit, like, what are, what am I learning from this person? One thing that I learned from Mick Jagger, never look back. The, the past has happened. You can't change it. You can't alter it. Everything is forward, moving forward. What am I doing today, tomorrow, five-year plan, 10-year plan? So I tend not to look back. I asked Ringo once, so... Do you ever look back at the interviews you do? And he goes, why would I look? I was already there. I've seen it. <laughs> and I kind of take that philosophy, never looking back. So. Until, until Nabil creates that time machine, in which case we'll have to ask Mick and Ringo if they want to go back and check it out. <laughs> now, that might be fun to go back and maybe not get that tattoo. Or- <laughs> cool I-, I love you, Sheila. I love you, Sheila. Always. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's always one. Rob, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. Just to summarize, one of the things that I really got out of it was stay in front, stay relevant, and be yourself. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your time. I appreciate the time, guys. And man, it's just amazing to be asked to share my story. And I appreciate it. And Nabil, I look forward to seeing you at another event soon. And Philip, maybe we'll see each other in person sometime. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Rob. This has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back, currencies will rebound, businesses will go on, and we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month, or next year. 
I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com.